What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. All right, everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 94. Yes, the real episode 94, unlike the last time when I lied to you guys about it for an episode. And uh, you might have heard the sweet, sweet words at the top of the show from, uh, from Kanye West, a man who has strongly endorsed Lions of Liberty uh, off the record, of course. And by the way, off the record, you can also find the show notes for this episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL94. But you got Kanye talking about a fine wine with deep notes that have to be appreciated. And uh, I have a man here who's joining me. He is, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I call him a fine wine so much as a, uh, maybe a stiff, Shot of whiskey right down your gullet. Uh, one Roger Paxton of the Lava Flow and Pax Libertas. Roger, how are you? I'm fantastic. But, you know, you mentioned stiff, and I heard you liked it stiff, so that's great. <laughs> Works out good for me. I like everything stiff. <laughs> me and Daniels, old horse face herself. You know, funnily <laughs> enough, last time I saw you, you were passed out drunk at Porkfest oh. on the side of the road, just about half dead. I really yeah. thought you were going to die that night. Uh, you know what? I Maybe I should have, but I have, I have a strange superpower because I was able, I think about an hour after I was uh, – out of the car on the side of the road and you and your lovely wife, I think dragged me to safety. I, uh, I was able to get up and walk my ass back to my hotel room. Thank God made it. So I'm here today. Thank you. Thanks to Roger. And <laughs> well, thanks to the team at pork fest. I mean, we yes. had an amazing team. So well, pork fest you guys was, came though. It was awesome. Oh, it was fantastic, man. I, we're definitely going to come again next year. The one thing I request though, and by the way, I do want to talk to you about, uh, uh, I'll tease it at the top of the show because I want to do a little bonus content after we go through the regular show for our uh, subscribers talking about the mirror. The mirror. Oh, right. The mirror. Yes. I want to know who did that. I still well, don't know to this day. Well, it cost us 75 whole dollars. <laughs> oh, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about it in the bonus content. Good. So anyway, uh, getting into it though. So yeah, Porkfest was awesome. The one thing I wanted to request though is that, that next year, if we do our whiskey challenge again, we'll use bigger teams, by the way, bigger teams. But I'd love it to be in the downstairs uh, area, like in the main tent. It's a spectacle, God damn it! It has to be appreciated by the masses. Well, one thing that uh, Mark mentioned was a, um, a beer pong tournament, a Lions of Liberty-sponsored oh, beer totally. pong tournament. Well, that would be awesome for the VIP tent for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. We are 100% on board with that. So anyway, let's get into this episode. Enough reminiscing about uh, the wonder that is Porkfest. So... Did you watch the entire Trump Kanye uh, interview slash, uh, I don't know, rant session slash confab, whatever that you want to call it? Look, you, you know me, Brian. I pay as, about as much attention to that as I do, you know, anything, anything that doesn't affect my life. I couldn't care less <laughs> what Kanye West and Donald Trump talked about. I literally didn't watch two seconds of it. Really? I oh. did, however, watch the Saturday Night Live <laughs> spoof of it. That was awesome. I mean, Baldwin killed it. Yeah, um, that was just that was well done. I see. I, I like I can appreciate the quality in the SNL open. But well, see, here's the thing, though, leading into that, because that's kind of part of the media reaction. So, you know, Trump and Kanye, they sit down and basically I'll sum it up for you as I burp because of this beer I'm drinking. Right. Excuse me, everybody. So <laughs> Kanye gets in there. You know, it's the typical Kanye thing. First, Trump says he's great. Then Kanye says he's great. Kanye has boasted about his 98th percentile IQ, of course. Right. But but he actually got into some pretty good. Uh, talking points. You know, he 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 said he wanted to end stop and frisk because Trump had just said that he wanted to roll that out in Chicago. Yep. He talked about uh, the 13th Amendment and how he talked about the 13th Amendment in the way that it's still in effect where there's slaves being created by virtue of the way the system is set up. He saw, he called it like a trap door sure. in the 13th Amendment, which is you know how the police state operates, how it's how yeah. black families are broken up, yeah. how the People drug caught in that system for the rest of their lives for, yeah. for minor offenses. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it really it showed a, a shockingly deep understanding from a guy like Kanye, and you know, it, he he also hit on um, <laughs> well, weird thing, you know, talking about justice reform. 
So Kanye, at one point, he's talking about this, uh, this man, Hoover, who's been in jail. He's like an older man, black man. And he goes into this whole thing. And I know you'll love this as a fan of sci-fi. Goes in a whole rant about parallel universes. And oh how, <laughs> and how uh, in parallel universe town, he is this man, Hoover, that is, in fact, in jail. And Hoover is, in fact, Yeezy out on the streets dropping beats. Well, I mean, you know, according to the multiple universe theory, that is a possibility because all possibilities are infinite. I mean, it's an infinite amount of possibilities. So I guess from that perspective, he's he's correct if the multiple universe theory is an accurate theory. And I tend to believe that it is. I but agree. We're, we're, I mean, for that matter, you could be me and I could be you. Who knows? Now, that would be – we do have the same haircut. So kind of I know. Fits, right? it's just call his podcast uh, Bald Guys with Beards, Talking Politics. Right. Right. Well, yeah. well it's like I was I, – I have never told this joke on stage, but I've always wanted to just go on stage – and simply tell everybody that if you believe in parallel universes, then know for a fact that I have fucked every single person in the audience. <laughs> At least once, yes, absolutely. <laughs> At least, if not more than once. Um, even, even the virgins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I spread my seed wide and far. Right. So, okay, so, so Kanye and Trump get together, though. And you saw this SNL skit. And, uh, and again, I'll link to all these in the show notes. But the thing is, like, even as well done as the skit was, what bugged me about it is that at one point in that SNL opening sketch, the, uh, what is this guy, Cal, Keaton, Keenan, fuck, which one's the fat uh, one that's on the I, show? I don't even know. I, well, the, I always, all I can think of is Keenan and Kel now, because I was talking about it earlier uh, today, but the, the chubbier guy from Good Burger, he's doing his impression, and, and he calls Kanye basically saying that he has lost his mind. Like, like he, he literally questions the fact that he is sane right there, and I said, Watching this, this is interesting because this is the left basically saying, if you're a black man who doesn't agree with liberal philosophy, you are mentally deranged. Right, right. And it's just, you know, and, and you're seeing that play out in all of these different medias. Like, you know, did you, did you see that CNN thing? Uh, with Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Negroes, he doesn't speak for the Negroes. And I mean, they've called him a house Negro. They called him an Uncle Tom. They've called him yeah. everything else. And of course, I've seen that, that coverage. And it's disgusting to me. I mean, here you have... Look, I, do, I don't agree with probably anything in the world that Kanye West could ever possibly say. Yeah. But I do agree that he is an independent human being with his own ideas and thoughts. And he does not speak for any group of people. He speaks for himself. Just like I don't speak for libertarians. You don't speak for morons. You know. <laughs> Very nice, Roger. <laughs> right. But I mean, but seriously, I mean, we speak for ourselves and that's it. And everybody's trying to equate what he's saying with him trying to speak for, for a group of people. I find that disgusting. I mean, you know, individuality. Everybody wants to group thing and put us in all of these groups that we may or may not belong in. Just because he has black skin doesn't mean that he agrees with the average black person. Just yeah. because I, you know, am bald and have a beard doesn't mean I agree with the average biker. I mean, it, <laughs> those, those things don't always equate. Oddly enough, all the bikers I see in LA, well, not all of them, but uh, the largest portion are black. We have like black biker boy gangs everywhere. It's crazy. Funny, funny. <laughs> so are you living in LA now? I live in LA. Yeah. Me ah. and Mark both live in LA. And, I thought you were living like in somewhere else. No, man. We, that's why it was an epic trip to come out to Porkfest. Uh, See, I wish I had known that because I called Mark Claire out on my show that released today. I said, any libertarian podcaster who lives in Los Angeles needs to have their head, <laughs> or who lives in California needs to have their head examined. Dude, I, look, I trust me. I know. I'm now trapped here. Though. I just bought a house with my right. wife because she, her family's here. She loves it. She loves her job. And I'm like, oh, God, I hated her so much. But I'm trapped now. <laughs> And Mark, yeah. Mark's here. Jason Stapleton is now here too. It's like I know. God. It's the weirdest thing. It's like you know the 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 most statist place you could be. Now we've right. got all these libertarians living here. It's crazy. Yeah. But Go but yeah, her. to your point. Uh, yeah, you know, trying to and, you know, it kind of reminded like that Chris Rock sketch. This thing with calling him a Negro. Like, when's the last time you heard anybody in mainstream media use the word Negro? It, it Unless happened. it's a, a Unless it's a derogatory term, right. and and that's exactly my point is that had the white uh, had the white guy there, there was a panel of black people and one white yeah. guy in that video, had the white guy said that he would have been immediately lambasted. Oh yeah, but just because this guy happens to have the same color skin, he can get away with it. Yeah, it's it's utter bullshit, and it's it just shows the the. The, the arbitrariness of, of who can use that term. Because, yeah, I mean, well, the guy who said it was almost as light-skinned as I am, even though he's an African-American. Oh, of course. Well, well, also, it reminds me of the Chris Rock sketch back in the, way back when, when Chris Rock went on stage and he says, you know, there's black people and then there's niggers, right? And that's, you know, his words, not mine, of course. Right. But it reminded me of that in the way that, you know, it's instead of uh, taking it as, okay, you're a black man with an, your, your, your own opinion, it's kind of taking this Chris Rock approach where now you're no longer a black man like the rest of us. You are now a Negro. 
right. using it in the derogatory fashion to say that he's stupid. Like they said, you know, this is what happens when Negroes don't read. You just go, right. wow. Like, uh, how do you make, how do you take that fucking leap and not get your ass ripped apart for it? And it's like you said, because you're black. Right. That's it. And, and it's, it's racism reversed. It's exactly what it is. And the fact that they can get away with making a statement like that and, and other people of other ethnicities could not is, is the epitome of racism. And it's disgusting to me. Look, I think racism is, a, is abhorrent. I cannot stand racist. I don't hang around them. I have nothing to do with them. As a matter of fact, my own father, um, who I love dearly, is a racist. And I had to explain to him early on in my kids' lives that Look, you're not going to use certain terms around my kids because I'm not going to teach that to my children. My <laughs> don't own let Pap take you in the closet and don't let him tell you racist terms. Right. So, so I mean, that, that's how Adam and I am about it, that my own father I had to have this discussion with because it's disgusting. But yeah. it's disgusting from all sides. Yeah. Just funny side story. I remember one time I was out with a, uh, a former fling of mine. She brought me to a wedding and her family was there and her grandfather was there. And I told him I was from Philadelphia, which is where I grew up. And I just remember him going, oh, I lived in Philly. I loved Philly until all the niggers moved in. Uh, I was just like, who? I was like, oh, we haven't even had our cake yet. Right. Well, that's what started with my dad was that a, a black family moved, you know, bought a, a house, like four houses down. He's like, oh, my God, here they go. All the niggers are moving in. And all the property values are going to go down. And he said that in front of my four-year-old kid. And I'm like, no, Dad, we are not doing this. No. So, yeah. But I had to have the same discussion with my mother about religion. Uh, you know, that's just the way it goes, I guess. <laughs> well, by the way, talking about, uh, you know, black people going in and moving into the neighborhoods and house buying, that was something that Kanye West talked about. Yeah, actually had, had gone into how he wanted to create, you know, I had a whole page of notes and of course I left them in the other room. He wants to create something called like Yeezy centers for uh, industry, <laughs> which, <laughs> oh are, which are kind of like what Rand Paul wanted to do with his tax-free zones, you know, like right, these, right. And, and Yeezy has the same idea, the Yeezy uh, industrial center. But he said, and he's making a very good point, like, you know, we want to build here, but you need to give people the opportunity. You need to lower taxes. You need to give them a chance without the government boot on their neck. And it's like, again, I, I was very, very impressed with it. I agree with that 100%. We need to do that across the board. You know, yeah. Not good not only give tax breaks to the low-income, easy properties or whatever. <laughs> give it across the board. You know, we would see so much innovation and so much growth and so much building in this country if we had all of the money that we produced. You know, we produce this wealth and we give 40, 50% of it to the federal government that pisses it away. Yep. Can you imagine what we could do with that money, with that wealth? We would, you know, multiply that wealth by by who knows how much. Yeah. But well, I mean, know, the government gets to piss it away. Do you give Trump any credit, by the way, for like, for instance, you know, the, there's more jobs. I think there's like 1.2 million jobs that aren't filled. They have more jobs than there are workers. And it's you know, the highest point in history. Do you give Trump credit for that by lowering the corporate tax rate? No, just like I don't give Obama, you know, credit for 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 the the crashes that happened during his time. The president has so little impact on that; it's unbelievable. Hell, for that matter, Congress has so little impact. Mm -hmm. You know, those things don't really. It's not the it's not the fact that those things create issues or, or solve issues. It's the fact that they create the perception of solving issues or creating issues. It's yeah. the mentality. You know, people think, oh, well, he's doing all of this great thing, so now we can invest and now we can put money out there in, in, into the ether instead of having to hang on to it. It's it's all a perception game. It's not about reality. Um, people, you know, there was still a lot of wealth socked under mattresses and, and stored away during the, the recession, the Great Recession. But people didn't want to touch it for fear of losing it because of the perception. It's yeah. all a perception issue. Yeah, no, agreed. Well, speaking of perception issues, um, so we've got Kanye West backing Trump. You've got Taylor Swift, and I can't remember who she was stumping for, but it seems to not, not have worked. Some Democrat. When we talk about perception, are celebrities actually getting to have some sway? Like, I, I didn't think, you know, I thought these celebrities coming out during the, the election run-up, you know, Hillary Trump, I actually think they hurt because they're just telling all the people that were Trump supporters that they're assholes and idiots and whatever else. Now, granted, I would love to have some celebrities come out and say, okay, go vote libertarian, which yeah. rarely happens. But do you actually think that it's having an impact? I do, because there are a vast majority of people out there who really pay attention to pop culture. And there's a large number of people who give a fuck what Kanye West says. And I can't believe it. It is mind-boggling to me that there's a number of people, even 10 people, who give Kanye West the time of day, who care a shit about what he says. Boggles my mind, but there are literally millions who do. And the same with uh, what was her, who you just mentioned. Yeah, Tyler Swift or Taylor yeah, Swift. Taylor Swift. People pay attention to what these people say. I don't get it. But it just as much has as much impact on people who like them saying, oh, yeah, that's great. 
but there's also people who are diametrically opposed to those people, and it's and it, it sways their decision as well to either support or not support someone. Yeah. What? So yeah, I, I certainly think it has an impact, and I think that that is a disgusting thing because if something so ear so so small so that doesn't matter for anything and have that much impact that is really telling about what is wrong in our country right now yeah exactly right man because it's like you think about these people that are advocating for this and that on twitter advocating for socialism right. advocating for you know government uh, restricting our rights or calling people out for hate speech and all this other bullshit yep. and they're being led by idiots they're getting their opinions yep. from idiots that are that are ill-informed have no idea and they never fact check they never look into it themselves it's like you know, you see these fucking Instagram models with 7 million followers right. that just have so much influence. And you're like, you're just pretty. You stand in front of shit. Well, you're the thing that bothers me about Kanye West, I've never even heard a single song, to my knowledge, that Kanye West sang, because that's not my type of music. He may be a fabulous artist. I don't know. I wouldn't know the difference. If you, if, well, Roger, I would presume, look, at you, you're mostly Christmas carols, right? Christmas carols and Christian music. No, no, no. Uh, you know, I like, you know, Tool, Stain, you know, that sort of thing. I like, I like uh, some of the, you know, 90s and, and early 2000s stuff. But, but my, my point is that he may be a fantastic artist. He, uh, you know, somebody may be a fantastic actor or actress. But to think that those people can shape policy disturbs me to no end. And it happens all the time. I mean, we saw it with, with Obama. I mean, he was so popular with the Hollywood elite. And it really helped shape policy. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying, especially with actors, because you say, okay, at least musicians, you're, you're doing something, you're creating something. With these actors, it's like you professionally just read lines and pretend. So why would anybody trust your opinion? Why would anybody think you have a, a brain in your head? Of course, I live in L.A. I see them firsthand, pissing <laughs> right. out all our actor buddies, uh, of course. But yeah, anyway, yeah. It's just, it, it is truly sickening what we're seeing unfold here. And, uh, you know, it actually ties in well with the next topic I want to get into, which is Facebook completely just fucking everybody over that has any sort of dissenting opinion from the mainstream media narrative. And, you know, that we see the power of these celebrities on social media speaking out. They've got, like I was saying, millions and millions of followers. They tweet out, people retweet all this bullshit. And then we see the forces pushing, pushing back on social media, like Free Thought Project got deplatformed, uh, you know, Police the Police is gone. V for Voluntary. I mean, there yeah. were so many. And, and I followed a lot of those sites. And I didn't follow all of them. Many of them I disagreed with. But that's beside the point. Just because I disagreed with them doesn't mean they shouldn't have a voice. Yeah. And it's like, you know, frankly, I'm insulted that we were not purged. We didn't <laughs> make the cut, which is some horse shit. But, oops, excuse me. I feel like burping during this episode, guys. I'm not editing it out. But, it's all good. Uh, yeah, but you see that, yeah, you see this deplatforming shit, and you go, okay, so you've got lockstep now, mainstream media, mm -hmm. social media, mm -hmm. and it all falls in line with this progressive thinking and this, these celebrity platforms. So as people get deplatformed, the question is, is twofold. Number one, do you think that this is Facebook's right, their private company, or their qualifications? And second question, where do we go from here? Okay, so I, I actually, this was the my status going to state segment on my show that released this morning was talking about this purge because I find it disgusting. Is it Facebook's right? Absolutely. It is their platform. They put the money into it. They put the ingenuity into it. They built it. Obama didn't build that. Facebook built <laughs> that. And that's fine. That is their right to do it. But it's also my right to tell Facebook to fuck off. And that's what I've been doing over, you know, slowly over several months. I've been, you know, weaning my use of Facebook down tremendously. Mm -hmm. I'm down right now to where I only use it a handful of, of times a day. And it's primarily to, to support my two businesses, the Pax Libertas Productions and the audiobook stuff that I'm doing. And other than that, I almost never use it. My next stage is going to be where I don't check my notifications on my phone until it's 99 plus. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm going to remove the Facebook app from my phone and only use it for my computer. I, I'm eventually going to wean myself off of it because any company that unilaterally uses the ban hammer like that is not a company I'm going to do business with. Yeah. Now, sadly, because of my companies, I have to do some business with them. Well, but I'm, I'm going to limit my personal use. Well, that's what fucking kills people the most, too. It's like, you know, the Free Thought Project, I think they had you know, millions, three million yeah, followers. Yeah, 3.1 million or something, yeah. I mean, that's a legitimate business you built. Yeah. And that's where you wonder. I mean, even though they are a private company, you do kind of wonder at some point if there's an argument to be made. And I'm sure there's something in their user agreement where you can't sue them for being deplatformed. But as a business, if you look at it as a business and at them, you know, shutting you out of a business, can you sue for damages? Because if they are, if they're coming after you by saying, this is something where we feel you're, what is it like misrepresenting? It was some, some vague bullshit term that they yeah. used. 
using spam and all this kind of stuff. But yes, do they have a lawsuit on their hands? Absolutely. You know, if I'm policing the police or if I'm, you know, some of these major large ones, absolutely I'm filing suit. Yeah. But, you know, Facebook's biggest issue, and they said it in their in their reasoning for dropping these people, is because they were sending traffic off of Facebook to their pages. That's Facebook's biggest gripe. Because yeah. Facebook wants their users to stay in Facebook. You know, that may, whatever, that works for Facebook. But the fact that they can unilaterally just make that decision and they do it with impunity is disgusting. Now, again, it's their right, but it's also, uh, you know, police the police's right to, to sue the hell out of them if they want. And I think they've got a good case. Well, here's where I wonder if it becomes a First Amendment issue. Because the reason I bring this up is because Facebook does deal with the government. They, they work with the government on so many different levels. They work with the FBI to purge some of these different pages, to set, to sponsor, you know, to, uh, review content, review postings. So they're working in lockstep with the government on so many different levels where you go, okay, are you even a private company anymore? You know, I, I, I see where we're going with that. And I, I can, I, I can... I, by the way, I don't think I could actually win this argument if I was going to have it and try to defend it, but I think it's worth talking about. Well, I mean, and I agree. I think that, you know, there is today with major corporations, there's a a lot of crony capitalism that goes on. There's a lot of government, non-government interaction and, and, and partnerships that happen. You know, my biggest issue is the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it to me is primarily about public spaces. I don't think today that, pub, that uh, Facebook is a public space. Now, if Facebook were par- primarily funded by the government, now you've got a case, but they're not. So at this point, they're still a private organization. All right. I respect that. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about with this, though, is as we see all these platforms moving forward, we see, I mean, it's, you know, these people have to be talking behind closed doors about the, the actions they're taking, all the different companies. We sure. saw, I sent you that Google document, which um, basically it was called uh, the Good Censor. Yeah. And essentially what this document came out, it came out from inside of Google. And uh, it was leaked to, uh, I got a link to the show notes, but I, I saw it on Breitbart. But it's, a th- it's an 85-page briefing document done from internal research, basically saying that cyber harassment, cyber racism, uh, et cetera, are kind of like degrading people's belief in online free speech. And, and one, of, as, one of the things that really drove me crazy about the article you're talking about is, yes, cyber harassment, cyber racism, inventing. But the one that really got me was, Users behaving badly. Right. Yeah. Who exactly. makes that determination? Who is the who is the user behaving badly? Czar. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, it's like because they don't agree with it, and they, and they even acknowledge that it's super heavily slanted towards the left. You know, all of these all of these Silicon Valley companies slant heavily, heavily left. So when they go, okay, you're behaving badly. Okay, according to who? According to what? Just like you're saying, because I don't agree with you, I'm now getting shadow banned. I'm now you know going to be right. a, a target of censorship by search terms or by whatever, you know, whatever Google's platform is going to do. I mean, God knows what they're doing with the emails, which they, you know, they read all of them. Yeah. So, you know, what's the problem I always come around to is what's next. Like these companies have by virtue of being an attractive market option, we all use them. You know, I, Google, sure. I use it fucking every day. I, I hate yeah. them, but I use it. So, you know, again, what do we do? Where do we go? And do you have faith that the market will provide? I do, I guess, but do you, you know, how long, how long do we have to wait? Well, I mean, MySpace was here before Facebook, and MySpace had a, had a large, you know, user base. They were usurped by Facebook because Facebook had better options. Can Facebook be usurped? Absolutely. I mean, millennials, you know, kids are not using Facebook. Facebook is a thing for old, for old folks like you and me. Kids don't use Facebook. Kids are using Instagram. Kids are using, oh, shit, what's the other one? Uh, ki- oh, kids Snapchat. Are, uh... Snapchat, yeah. Kids are using those. Kids are staying the hell off of Facebook. And there's good reasons for that, as we're finding out. Because Facebook is, you know, it's great for old fogies like us. But for, for kids, you know, typing words is, is a challenge. And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean a challenge as in they, they don't have the mental bandwidth to do it. It's because, you know, their lives are, you know, they've got so many things going on that they would rather just snap a picture and say, hey, here I am. This is what I'm doing. Whereas yeah. you and I, you know, we would much rather type something out. Right. So well, it's, it's just like generation. video content as opposed to, you know, I still, I'm right. old school. I still prefer to read yes. articles rather than watch videos. Like when I, when I click on something and it goes to a video, I get fucking pissed off and I close it. I prefer to read the written word. I feel like I, I get more out of it. I understand yep. it better. You can reread it to be vastly better. But all these newer people coming up, like you said, it's visual learning, it's yep. visual stimulus. They want videos, they want pictures. So yeah, it, it makes sense 
that well, it's the instant gratification. And I think yeah. that there's something to that. And I think that that's going to be Facebook's downfall. Now, of course, Facebook did by Instagram. And there's a reason for that, because they know that it's going to be the next one that's going to be huge. And it already is. I mean, you know, I'm finding out that now for my podcast, if I don't have an Instagram, I've got a problem. And I don't have one for the lava flow, but I'm building them. I mean, I'm trying to build them out. Yeah, we got to build one for lines as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's where the, that's where the future is going. And I think that that's probably a good thing, even though Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. I think that they may learn a lot of mistakes they've made with Facebook and hopefully that'll carry on. We'll yeah. See. But see, the thing is though, if they're, since they've bought Instagram, that's the big platform, you know, memes, the, the great meme war has obviously right. been going on as well with them banning people that are posting memes, you know, same thing with Instagram. And I haven't heard anything on Instagram yet of people cracking down on memes. I've heard it where they get rid of titties. But as far as I know, memes are still safe. I mean, maybe there's some way to, to flag content. Is it appropriate to get it removed? But I haven't seen this, the, the draconian measures being taken like they just did with this Facebook bullshit. Look, I love memes and all, but I'd much rather see a pair of titties than some memes. I mean, <laughs> come on. So Liberty I, they, titty memes. I just, right. Save up with your new company. Yeah, that's Roger at PaxLibertas.com. Send me all <laughs> the Liberty titties, please. <laughs> I'll even share them with my wife. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know that you guys can share things. Uh, you know, the couple that looks at tits together stays together. I think That's I exactly that right. That's, That's crocheted exactly right. something or other back in the day. <laughs> um, so what, anything else to say on, on this topic, on, on free speech, on this? Because I'm going to take a quick break after, uh, after your statement. So Yeah, I mean, I just I don't think this is a free speech issue. Is it censorship? censorship? I've had too much fireball, sorry. <laughs> is it censorship? Yes, it is censorship. Is it a free speech issue? I don't think that we can make that argument. So that's my final words. All right, there you go. So we're going to take a quick break. Here word for our sponsor, and we'll be back with more. Roger Paxton from the Lava Flow Podcast here on Lines of Liberty Electric Liberty Land. We don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one -on -one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 94. I am here with Roger Paxton, my, uh, my buddy, my, my buddy from Porkfest, uh, a leading voice in liberty, and a man that, like me, does have a nice set of pipes on him. The only thing, though, <laughs> Roger, Roger mentioned it's a little something, a little tidbit uh, that I am curious to hear more about, but I, I think we'll save this for the, uh, the bonus content, Roger. So what, you got in an accident the other day, did you? No, well, not quite an accident. So I got accidentally stoned as balls <laughs> on Monday, Monday of all days. You know, here I'm supposed to be working. And I realized when I'm in the middle of recording my show that I am stoned as balls. It's <laughs> a like long story. <laughs> Wait a minute. You got, you got to save the story for the bonus people. You can't tell it now. Right, right. But I do want to say that I was in the middle of recording my latest lava flow. That's why it was a few hours late this week. Because in the middle of recording, I realized I am high as a fucking kite. So I had to... <laughs> Had to wait a few hours. I was say now, now everybody has to listen. That's a good that, talk about a way to promote your show. People right. are gonna be listening intently and they're gonna be like, when does the switch? Start? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, by the way, so during uh, during our commercial break, you asked me what I was drinking now because I went and got a little bit of whiskey to uh, help this hangover keep me powered for the show. I'm drinking Old Forester Statesman whiskey, and oh. it's, it's kind of interesting because Costco has uh. They had this White Walker, Johnny Walker thing based on Game of Thrones. Terrible. Got that too terrible. But then they have this Statesman based upon the Kingsman movies. Oh, right. Those are good movies. I enjoy those. Yeah, they weren't were bad. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll buy this and see what it is. And you know what? It's fucking delicious. Really you know, good. You know you're a redneck if you buy your whiskey from Costco. <laughs> Come on. Dude, the what? prices. You cannot beat the prices there. Come you to New Hampshire. Well, Dude. I mean, you know, while our liquor stores are state-run, which is something we're uh, trying to stop. Yeah, too. 
Yeah, but at least we don't have any taxes on our on our alcohol. So our, our alcohol is some of the lowest in the country here in New Hampshire. That's nice. Well, let me tell you, you could get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue at Costco for one forty nine. Ooh, that's a good price, right? I'm just yeah. saying, man. Christmas is coming up. Right. <laughs> I am not sending you some fucking Johnny Walker blue. Sorry. Love you, brother. But nope. <laughs> if I'm buying that, it's going on my shelf. God damn it. I'm canceling my subscription to your program. Right. All right. Well, anyway, so let's get back into it. Let's uh, let's get into this Saudi Arabia thing because yeah. there's just this reading this shit pissed me off. Just because number one, we got the U.S. supporting this fucking proxy war in Yemen. We're, right. you know, I just read a story where they just bombed another bus full of children and innocent people, killed another 17 people. We're, you know, we're causing cholera outbreaks for all the children that are dying from the barricades. It is a nightmare. We're causing a genocide. We know this. Yes. And, and in the midst of that, the U.S. still supports Saudi Arabia. We're still moving forward with this fucking arms deal. And then we find out that Saudi Arabia has assassinated a journalist. Or, or who is actually, is he dead? Or is he just missing? Well, I think he's just as far missing. as well, there's no evidence that he's dead that I have been able to see yet. Right. At okay. this point, I think that he's just missing, but I think it's pr- pretty much presumed that he's dead. Yeah, that's and and that, that is more uh, pronounced because there was a Bloomberg-based report that came out, and and the Washington Post also reported on it that U.S. intelligence services intercepted communications from Saudi officials discussing a plan to capture this journalist, and they were going to lure him back to the kingdom, and then uh, you know. Adios, torture them, do whatever they want to them. So in light of that, Roger, what would you presume we would do as a country? And uh, what have you seen us actually do? Well, you know, I, I, I am surprised at this point that Trump has not been dropping bombs because yeah. that's kind of his mentality. And I think that if we were under, you know, George Bush or Obama, as many bombs as they dropped, I mean, hell, Obama dropped more bombs than Bush ever did. Yeah. I think that we would see some sort of military intervention. I'm quite surprised that Trump hasn't, because, you know, Trump likes to swing his big dick around, but, you know, but, but he hasn't done anything. And I'm thankful that he hasn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he should, because I think, and look, I agree with George Washington. You know, we don't want, you know, we want free trade with everybody and no entanglements as far as, mm-hmm. you know, getting involved in this shit. And that's part of the problem that we have is that we're allies with people like Saudi Arabia, who we know for a fact was involved in the 9-11 attacks. But yet we're still allies with these jackasses. Yep. We should not be allies with anybody. Free trade. Hey, I'll sell you some of my shit. You sell me some of your shit. But we are not getting involved with your, you know, what's going on in your crazy ass world. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not the reality. Well, it's just, you know, it's like one of those things where you, you know, USA, we put forth this image for so long. I mean, the reason the USA was so successful was based upon this image, you know, bring us your, your, your poor and downtrodden and we'll take everybody and, you know, we're the good guys and freedom, you know, freedom, freedom, freedom. And then we've got the reality of the situation, which is that, you know, for the past, what, 60, 70 years, at least, the USA has been complicit in getting their fucking noses in every single possible place, completely trampling people's liberty and freedom, overthrowing dictatorships. And, you know, the, this relationship with Saudi Arabia has been going on since I was a kid. I remember oh, yeah. it's just been going on and on for oil. Well, Iran in the seventies. I mean, we, yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for decades. Yeah. And Iran, who, of course we, we caused the whole uh, issue there by overthrowing their, Right. The leaders. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you look at the pictures of uh, of certain areas in Iran before we, you know, we stuck our nose in there and then after. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, you know, you go from this beautiful lush area to a fucking war zone to, to something that was just destroyed by, by, by these overzealous religious nut jobs that we supported. Yep. It, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing that boggles my mind, though, too, is that we've got this, this report comes out about the fact that U.S. intelligence services knew knew for a fact that Saudi Arabia was going to make a move to assassinate a journalist who was critical of the regime, or not assassinate, abduct. Right. And they did nothing about it. Yeah. We, we put ourselves forward as these, well, I, we, I don't, you don't. The, the United States and its military put itself forward as this, this source for good, you know, stepping in for the downtrodden, for the people in danger all over the world. That's why we are in all these entanglements, if you ask the government. But meanwhile, we allow this ally to abduct an innocent person that is, uh, that is a journalist. You know, freedom of the press is one of the most important things in our society, but they allow this to happen. That's what blows my mind. If they, if they just ignored it, right? If they didn't know about it and they said, okay, well, we're gonna look the other way. This guy disappeared, it's kind of coincidence. But when you actually intercept messages talking about it, that's you a don't make a phone call. call. You don't call the dude and say, hey, don't go back to Saudi Arabia. Maybe you know? it's a text. You, yeah, you, you up, bro? 
yeah, don't go to the fucking border. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't understand that. Now, you know, it, it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost sounds like you're thinking that we should have had some sort of military intervention. And I don't think we should have. I mean, oh, look, no, this no. Guy, I, I definitely th don't think that. <laughs> I mean, because this guy was an individual. He made an individual choice to get suckered into going to Saudi Arabia when he knew there might be issues. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying the guy deserved it. I'm certainly not victim blaming. I'm certainly not, you know, bashing the victim here. What was he wearing? Right, right, right. But I mean, he made a bad choice, you know, and should a whole country now, two countries be militarily involved with each other because one individual made a bad choice? Of course not. Yeah. No way. Well, the thing is, I was hoping that because this individual made a bad choice, that two countries would be uh, militarily divorced from each other over it. I would hope so. I am sick and tired of us selling goddamn arms and, and you know, the latest, greatest jets and, and, and weapons to Saudi Arabia, who we know for a fucking fact attacked, was part of the attack on 9 11. And yeah. we're still selling them the top of the top of our, of our weapons. I don't fucking get it. I love how the same level, you know, Israel, we sell all our top weapons to Israel as well. We provide yep. them with all our, these resources. We, we literally give them weapons. So like these weapons right. are getting a little old. You guys will use them. So we right. give them away. In the meantime, a few years ago, this report came out, you know, I think it was right after the China hacking thing with the, or the North Korea hacking thing with Sony and another China hack of whatever database, the you know, social security. So they, this report uh, came out. I said that weird. This report came out saying that Israel was the number one cyber threat to the United States. They right. hack us more than anybody. They hack everyone's communications. And you look at, I mean, it's not a surprise when you look at the no. power that APAC has in this country to, to influence people. And, you know, the, the, the race word, you know, you're a racist, you're an anti-Semite, has so right. much fucking power that it's just like used as a cudgel. And we just keep, keep fucking associating with these people. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not an anti any group of people. I'm anti individual people. And, right. you know, this is what I try to drive home on my show all the time. It's individual attitudes. It's individual mentalities. It's individual people. Quit putting people in groups. Quit boxing people into these groups that they may or may not belong to. I have Jewish friends. I have Palestinian friends. I hate some Jews. I hate some Palestinians. I hate some white people. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin or your nationality. That shit is so old. We are past that. Yeah. So anybody who throws a, uh, there's a guy, uh, I think his name is Bruce Majors on Facebook. He's a libertarian LP national activist. And he is always throwing, because he's Jewish, he's always throwing this bullshit. You're an anti-Semite, you're an anti-Semite, you're an anti-Semite. Fuck you. Anytime anybody says something negative about what Israel is doing, yep. that person's automatically an anti-Semite. Yeah, Fuck exactly. You. I mean, I remember Ron Paul, we did this way back in the day. We wrote these essays back when we had a website we posted uh, written word on. Uh, Ron Paul went through these you know, like 32 different uh, tenants or something like that. You know, his 32 points for making the country better, <laughs> right? Whatever they were called, and you know, challenging the power of APAC was one of them for that exact reason. You just, I mean, there's no way this tiny country should have this much influence on American politics and policy and keep us entrenched. I mean, just think about the fact that Israel is so hated in that region keeps us involved in that region. Right. With I, and there's no escape. Even Rand fucking Paul himself said that if you know the united states stands with israel if you attack israel you attack the united states right bullshit they, they have nothing to do with us they right. would i mean nobody's life would be impacted in any goddamn way look as much as i wish rand paul were a libertarian he's not he has fallen so far from the tree that it's not even funny and that makes me sad i wanted look when he said he was running for senate i was so excited because i wanted a fucking ron paul in the senate yep. so bad <laughs> we got anything but and it, it's we, a shame where's the cloning we've got that uh that gene splicing thing crisper can we crisper ourselves a fucking ron paul together well, please? I mean, we, we, we made, we made Dolly the sheep. Can we make Dolly Ron Paul? I don't know. <laughs> First sheep man elected to Senate. Elected right. to, uh, to <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, you just, I've heard a little bit of, of murmuring after this, this Saudi thing. I heard, you know, they were talking about some sanctions against Saudi Arabia, but of course, Donald Trump says no to that. And Saudi Arabia Instead of, you know, being, I don't even know if they'd ever be complicit, but, you know, then they threatened to, to fuck with the oil supply and, and yeah. rain death upon us. This is our ally that just adopted a journalist. And they're not denying it, by the way. Right. Well, you know, the thing that really bothers me is that every modern American president has gone and bowed before the Saudi king. Oh, yeah. Now, that is just, you know, look, I don't believe, I, I think the government is a myth and a, and a mentality that we need to move past anyway. But if you're going to have governments and one of one government is bowing to a much smaller, less powerful government, I mean, come on, what, what kind of bullshit? I mean, that would be like me bowing to you. Bullshit that's going to happen. 
No, oh, come on, Roger. Someday. <laughs> Meanwhile, at, at Porkfest, I think I, I was bowing to you and everybody else as I was uh, throwing up in the grass. for. Oh, dude, I was, so, I was so fucking worried about you and, and uh, J- JB. Oh, I was That's so like, worried about you. It, it, just give me your, give me your, it's a, a good way to, I, I, I'm very curious, from your standpoint, give me the, the breakdown of um, your experience with the Lions of Liberty from Porkfest from an outsider perspective. Because you know, I'm in the middle of it. I'm super hammered the whole time. So my perspective may be different. <laughs> so we'll talk about this one incident first. I was enjoying myself finally having, you know, being able to unwind after a fucking crazy week. One of my, one of my arrangers, which is what we call kind of our security team that kind of, you know, keeps the peace and makes sure everybody's okay and that nobody's going to die of alcoholism, comes to me in the VIP tent and says, I think one of your friends up here with the Lions of Liberty is like shit faced, passed out on the road. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was Mark. I thought for sure Mark Claire is. is or is Howie. Be, I mean, yeah. right. So I go up there and it's you and JB <laughs> passed, <laughs> passed the fuck out. After about 45 minutes, I guess, we finally are able to get you to maybe stand up a little bit. Yep. JB missed my throwing up on my foot by about six inches. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Um, so, you know, that was part of it. But, I tell you, look, having you guys, having Chris Spangle with We Are Libertarians and Johnny Rocket from what is it, yep. Blast Off with Johnny with uh, Johnny now, yep. that was, you know, almost like a dream come true for me, because oh. I've been conversing with you guys for years, and to be able to bring you guys in and just fucking hang out with you guys and love on you guys and just have a hell of a week, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. I mean, I really can't. I can't speak high enough uh, or highly enough of Porkfest, and you did an amazing job putting it together. It's you know, it was really cool just to see that many people get together, and uh, you know, and, and like the the lineup was amazing. You had there too, like you know, speakers. Yeah, I loved Eric July. He was my favorite. Yeah, I did get to talk shit to him, and I've had him on the podcast. But <laughs> nice. yeah, I mean, it was it was really uh, it was really impressive, man. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, my wife is responsible for at least 75% of that because, you know, I was working a full-time job 50, yep. 60 hours a week, whereas, you know, she was able to really devote the time to it. So I, I give her all the credit because she rocked it. Um, you know, my, my contribution was on site, you know, during the week, but she, she made it happen. So Yeah. Well, you know what? I want to ask you one thing, man, because this is interesting. I want to I port one over because I'm curious to see what your answer will be to this. Um, you know, we do our Candidates of Liberty series. Oh, uh, whatever. Statists. But, but we asked them, <laughs> we asked them, what's one position they have that they don't, or what's one position the Libertarian Party has that they aren't on board with? So what's, you know, and I'm sure you can find 25, but what's your biggest, right? What's, or what's one Libertarian position that you personally may not be on board with? Because I just think it's a fascinating question to ask people. You know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't read the plank in probably close to a decade at this point, which is a crying shame because I probably should read it. But but my issue is not with the plank. My issue is not with the statement of principles. I mean, the statement of principles is so strong. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, Karen Ann Harlos has done a three-part series on her newest podcast. It's on Pax Libertas Productions, by the way. There you go. It's, called the, it's called the Big L Podcast, and check it out at biglpodcast.com. She did a three-part segment on the statement of principles and why it is so important and why it's so strong. It's so incredible. I love the statement of principles. My issue with the Libertarian Party is the fact that they run candidates that, you know, you can bring the whore to church, bring the whore to church. Yes, get her saved, but don't have her preaching from the pulpit the next Sunday. And that's what we've done with so many candidates, one right after the other. Bob Barr, Gary Johnson, you know, fucking Bill Well. Bill Well. Don't even get me started. I love him just because I like to do impressions of him, but he's, yeah, he's a terrible candidate. Well, everybody loves the shiny new thing in the Libertarian Party, even some of the hardcore Libertarians, and it makes me sick. Yeah. That's my biggest issue with the Libertarian Party. Yeah, I, and I agree with you there. I mean, you know, it's something where I had supported the, the Mises Caucus. Um, I'm still not a part of the Libertarian Party. I know you guys took the plunge to, to, to take it down, or not take it down, but change You it. guys, I had nothing to do with it. And I gave Mark Claire and Tom Woods and, 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 and Wait, Dave I Smith. I gave, no, I gave all these people shit over it. Oh. You Look, join your local parties if you think there's a chance, but do not join the National Libertarian Party. It is beyond saving at this point. Yeah, well, that brings up a different question. I'd asked this a couple of different forums, and, uh, and I voiced it on my show a few times, too, is I, I openly have a concern that libertarian as a term, as a party, is something that can't be saved. Not well, just because of the politics within it and the way that they're kind of pushing themselves to, to kowtow to these social justice kind of bullshit uh, people coming up now. But also just because the term libertarian, if you go and say the term libertarian, you say, I'm a libertarian to somebody, immediately 
they roll their eyes. They've got this, this misconstrued conception of it. Is it time to take back a word or to create a, a new descriptor for ourselves well, that's not no fucking poison? There's no need to create one. Look, they, they took the word liberal from us, classical liberal. They took liberal from us. They're taking libertarian from us. L the word libertarian means nothing anymore. It absolutely means nothing. It is whatever anybody who, who thinks they might be a libertarian thinks the word means, and that's bullshit. I don't use the term libertarian almost ever anymore unless I'm talking to libertarians. Yeah. Uh, when I'm meeting new people, I use the term voluntarist, and that's the term that I stick with because it it describes itself. I believe in voluntary interactions. No, ex no, no if, ands, or buts. The government isn't exempt. Nothing is exempt. Voluntary interactions, nothing else. Yeah, well, I mean, shit, man, I'm down with that. And you know, I, I give Dave Smith credit for uh, – I used to be a minarchist, and uh, Dave Smith, I think, on a drunken podcast brought me over to full anarchy. Good. So <laughs> but it's you know it's one of those things where yeah you you just look at the basis already like you know people as you're saying government is a myth and, and it really is when you have when you have voluntary environments you don't need somebody to step in and be a big brother you know, the, like, actually the only thing i could see i will say this the only issue i would have would be with the military my toe is by the way if you see me shaking around my fucking toe just cramped on me from being over <laughs> My pinky toe, I'm talking to you, and my pinky toe just shot straight up in the air. Just the pinky. <laughs> oh, my God. It's cramping. I'm talking. I'm like, God damn, Jesus that pinky. Christ. I'm like stretching it out. Um, I could see the military, uh, that being an issue, because you do wonder, like say, if somebody brought full, full bore military strength, if China wanted to invade, I worry about it. Not because I don't think that guerrilla warfare is a, a tactic, because it is. That's why the Second Amendment is so vital. Because, I mean, shit, we can't take over anybody. We have vastly superior power. But I do worry about the people that will be killed because of it. Look, and now, granted, knowing that, knowing that our military murders people every fucking day. Look, governments don't attack people. Governments attack governments. Governments attack other military. Military attacks military. If, if you have a small enclave of people, the chances of something happening are slim. But even if it happens, you know, um, uh, Bob... Oh God! Uh, hold on, let me, hold on, let me stop Bob, Bob Murphy. Let me challenge that really quick. Native Americans. They okay. were not governments. Well, they were tribes of people. That was during a time of our of of the world's history where people were trying to expand to find new land. We've already found all the land. Those kind of things are are very rare to happen. But I, I challenge everybody to read Bob Murphy's pamphlet. It's free on the internet, um, and it's called uh, Oh Jesus Christ. It's something about warlords, and it talks about this this concept of of what would happen, you know, in a, in that kind of a society, in a voluntary society, would the warlords take over? And of course, you would have some that would try, but you would have what's called insurance companies. You know, we have those; those are not a stretch of the imagination. Who would be responsible for insuring your property, you know, your life even? And they would be responsible for making sure that it's safe because they don't want to lose their investment. They don't want to lose their, their you know, what they have. Because, you know, if I lose my life and all of a sudden my wife gets, say, a million bucks, my house gets burned down by a warlord, all of a sudden, you know, they are out some money. So they're going to do what they have to do to protect uh, those establishments and those, those people's lives. All right. All right. I'll accept that for now. All right, man. Anything else? So I'm out of topics for right now. And uh, as I said, I'm cr pinky cramping. So I'm itching to get into our bonus content because uh, it's going to be awesome. Like I said, there's just to tease it <laughs> at Porkfest, we did the whiskey challenge. Now, many of you who are regular listeners to the show, <coughs> pardon me, know what the whiskey challenge is. That's where we had two teams of three with a handle of whiskey and you try to finish your handle first. Now, the reason I was so completely fucking shit faced at Porkfest, but meanwhile, until I got outside in the dark, completely coherent, despite being very drunk. Which, by the way, is a weird thing. You ever get this? Like, I could be totally okay as drunk. I could be as drunk as possible, but I can maintain. But when I, when I went out into the dark, I got the spins immediately because I lost, like, my – it's like being seasick. I lost my fucking horizon line. Yeah, yeah. And that just you kills me. All, you lose all perspective, and it fucks you up. Yep, yep destroyed me. So, anyway, so we do this, port, we do this whiskey challenge, though. And, uh, and afterwards – I, I, whoever broke this mirror, let's just say we recorded this podcast and a mirror was broken in the bathroom at Porkfest. And, and we didn't find out about it until like three o'clock that morning. And I get a call from one of my rangers who was doing her rounds saying, we have a broken mirror. I'm thinking the last people that was in there were the goddamn Lions of Liberty fuckers. So yeah. I'm anxious to find out who did that. All right. Well, 
secrets will be revealed in the bonus time. So anyway, Roger, let's, let's finish up this podcast, man. Tell everybody where they can find you. I already know because I am a paying supporter, but tell everybody what you got going on all about Pox Libertas Productions too, or Pax Libertas. I always say, is it Pox or Pax? I always say Pox on your household. Yeah. It's like, it's like Paxton, you know, (laughs) Pax means peace. And that's where, you know, Paxton means man of peace. And of course I stole that for Pax Libertas. There you go. Beautiful. Okay. So tell everybody where to go. So go to PaxLibertas.com. It's got all seven of our podcasts. Um, it's one of the biggest libertarian podcast networks out there right now. Seven different shows. Everything from, like I mentioned, the Big L podcast for, you know, libertarian party types. So we've got to Resist the Empire, which is a Star Wars, a look at the Star Wars universe from a libertarian perspective. Um, essential libertarianism, which is if you're interested in volunteerism, that's the one to look at because we talk about volunteerism every week. And, of course, my flagship show, The Lava Flow. But if you're, if you're a Christian, we have Anarcho-Christian Podcast. We have a, a, a Peaceful Parenting Podcast called One Free Family. And uh, you can get it all at PaxLibertas.com. Oh, damn. Next, you know what, man? We got to have you on an LILDL show uh, because I want to I want to voice my theories on, uh, on the issues that plague children today because they, they, are at, they are at odds somewhat with peaceful parenting. Oh, okay. well, I've, got, I've got two kids that are peaceful parented and radically unschooled and they seem to be doing all right. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, somebody else. Oh, uh, my buddy, I'll give him a shout out. Adam Choit was looking to talk to people who had homeschooled children. I told him to contact you. He, he, and he sent me a message and we're going to get together um, later this week to uh, chat about it. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Making connections. Libertarians on libertarian crime. All right. Yep. So anyway, so there you go. That's where you can find uh, all of Roger's content. And by the way, guys, I forgot to plug this last show. I want to plug it this show. I'm going to be doing a live. Uh, I think we're going to record a podcast, but it's going to be Michael Bolden, my, uh, my main man from the 10th Amendment Center. Love that guy. Me and Jason Stapleton are going to be doing a live event in Hollywood. It's a brunch the morning of November 4th by virtue of Liberty on the Rocks, an organization I love, love my man Pablo over there too. So if you're interested, if you're in LA or in the region and you want to come down, it's perfectly free. Come up, have some drinks, hear us rant about Liberty and, uh, and have a hell of a time and I'll be there. Anyway, moving on. So guys, Roger, it's, it, this has been too long coming. Thank you for being on the show, man. It's, it's Absolutely. awesome. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it very much. Uh, Damn well right. Me too. So anyway, guys, from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty.